0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Major League season's one week old, and we've already seen pitchers called up. Matt Brash, Bryce Elder, Nick Lodolo, Mackenzie Gore, question mark? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And whenever pitchers get called up, guys, we get excited. Uh, But especially looking at who got called up. So uh, just this week, we've seen the first career starts for Mariners pitcher Matt Brash. For Braves pitcher Bryce Elder and for Reds pitcher Nick Lodolo. So, take him in order. Matt Brash. Talked about him on my very first show uh, back in January. Uh, I mean, a dude that just is shoves. 13.1 through K-9 last year. Uh, Went all the way from high A to a call-up at the very end of the season to the majors. He didn't get the chance to pitch, but got called up. And so, um, had his first start. Uh, threw five and a third innings, four hits, two runs, um, one walk, six strikeouts. Gave up a home run there, kind of late. Uh, he And if you watch the start, I really am intrigued by what he does. He starts off off-speed heavy early, and then as the start progresses, he starts mixing in and going more and more fastballs. And then kind of just towards the end there, I mean, it's... it's nobody had a, had a normal-length spring, and so... Gives up a, uh, a home run there. But watching the what he did, Eno Saris from The Athletic had his Stuff Plus measurement. He said after one game, which is a small sample size, Stuff Plus usually needs about three games to stabilize where you are. But after one game, Matt Brash officially had the filthiest stuff out of all starters in Major League Baseball. I mean, we know what Matt Brash is for the most part now. We know that he's got a fastball. They can hit 99. We know he's got one of the best sliders in all of baseball. So, yeah, you know the 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 that fast uh, th- that sliders one of those kind of power sweeping, sharp diving, uh, sliders. If you watch, if you look at Pitching Ninjas tw- Twitter feed, it was all over that uh, plus plus pitch. I mean, I've seen people graded at an 80 grade. Like that's how good the slider is. The fastball is considered to be kind of a 70 grade. You can get tons of swing and miss on it. It usually sits 95, 97. He can run it up to 99. And the good thing is he's comfortable throwing either pitch in any count. Um, he can throw him to a lefty or a righty. He's comfortable with it. He's got a um, a knuckle curve that is kind of average. Didn't throw it a ton in that start. He's got a change up that, um, that it's inconsistent, but when it's on, it's a plus pitch for him. And, and so you saw a lot of... You know, that curve, uh, a lot of that change, a lot of the slider, and then pounded fastballs a little bit later. Uh, His control looked really good. He only walked one guy in the entire outing. And it's something where, I mean, Matt Brash looked as good as advertised and is definitely just another exciting piece uh, that Seattle is adding to that major league team. Speaking of Seattle, stay tuned for tomorrow's show. It's a Farm Friday. We're starting with the best. minor league system in baseball and the Mariners. And we're going to go um, top to bottom and go through all the different levels where each of the top prospects are and talk about some of these guys and how they're going to progress. But Matt Brash looked fantastic. Um, Kind of, kind of bummed that he, you know, he didn't get the win. (laughs) Like, I mean, the man gave up two earned runs, but uh, you know, the team lost. It's perfectly fine. It is what it is. There'll be plenty of other opportunities for him to get wins. Um, Talking about a guy who, who the team that did win on his first start, Bryce Elder for Atlanta. So Atlanta was in a bit of a jam. They had to use Tucker Davidson to throw a day before he was going to start. And so they had to figure out something, but you couldn't they couldn't call a guy off the 40-man roster. Because the way that it works when you get, when you, they initially sent players down to the minors, unless you are replacing somebody who's been put on the IL, those players were required to stay in the minors until i believe it's april 17th and so they had to bring a guy not on the 40 man up to make his start and the guy they chose was bryce elder um number six overall prospect in the system um i say that i haven't necessarily re-ranked it after they traded out pache and langoliers and all that but still fifth round pick in 2020 so the final round of that draft um he threw 137 innings in his first full pro season, led all minor league pitchers, went from high A all the way to triple A, actually got the Braves minor league pitcher of the year award. So he goes out, you know, in that 137 innings, uh, 2.75 ERA, 155 strikeouts to 57 walks. So about, th- about a three to one ratio. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy who has four distinct pitches um he's got a a sinker that sits 90 to 94 um he's got a a slider mid 80s it's one of those like a lot of depth to it uh, above average changeup and then he's you know he also had a four seam fastball and a curveball so really five pitches that he can use and the thing about him is none of those are amazing the 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 sinker's plus the four seamer is above average the slider and the and the change are both kind of above average, and the curveball's is kind of there. But um, last year he had almost fifty-seven percent ground balls, and sinkerball pitchers, when they're on, when that 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 weapon is working, they can get a lot of guys to swing over a ball, you know, turn it over weekly, roll it out to third or whatever. And so, um, you see him go out there, five and two thirds, six hits, three runs. No walks, four strikeouts. And the no walks is good. He had a 10% walk rate last year, three to one ratio on the uh, strikeouts to walks. So it's something where a little bit more of an efficient outing as far as walks are concerned, not really getting into deep counts with guys. And if you watch the outing, two singles in the first, one of them was a bunt single, not a big deal. He gets out of that inning. 12 consecutive outs against the Nationals. And then he gives up two solo homers, in the fifth, and a double, and that's when they pull him in. Brian Snicker said after the game, like he just got a little worn down. It's something where again, short spring, young guy, the adrenaline of your first start, he just got a little worn down. Their stuff wasn't quite as sharp there. They pulled him in. The, they pulled him in the fifth. Uh, Braves go on to win the game. And Elder's a guy where there are guys with more upside and more elite tools, uh, more elite pitches. In the system, but he's like he's a safe guy, so he's gonna be one of your one of your number four, number five guys who's just gonna eat a ton of innings for you. I mean, you go back and you look at the minors; uh, he went into the seventh inning six times, uh, never went over ninety nine pitches. So just very efficient, can pitch to contact. Atlanta has a good defense; they historically all like prioritize defense on that team, and so. As long as he can adjust to the pro strike zone, he got squeezed a little bit side to side last year. I think that's where some of his walks came from. Uh, It looked like he'd adjusted to that in the start. He's a guy where it's going to be really hard to move him down when the rosters contract back. It's going to be, I think it's May 2nd. It's going to be hard to move him back because he's shown as of now that he can go out and and give you meaningful innings, let you... Go a little bit longer before you have to get into the bullpen and really kind of save those guys, and then the third guy, Nick LaDolo. So Nick LaDolo gets called up. This is one of those we talked about it when we talked about guys who made their teams. Technically, he didn't make the team. He was on the taxi squad, and then they activated them for this. So technically, he was called up after the season broke. But he's a he's another guy. Reminds me kind of of Elder where nothing is glaringly elite he's just a good pitcher best pitch is probably the slider it is a plus pitch 86 to 88 um it it has a lot of tight break to it kind of late so he can use it against a lefty or a righty he's not constrained to a to a specific side of the plate with it because it the lo- a lot of the break is tight and late on it um he's got a a, a sinker and a uh, yeah, he he. His fastball is mainly a sinker, ninety three to ninety five. Can touch ninety six. He mixes in a four seamer sometimes, mixes in a cutter sometimes. But like, but the uh, the sinker is kind of the ball for him. Um, as he's gotten better with the slider, he's kind of abandoned the uh, the curveball. It was a big sweepy kind of curveball. Wasn't that great. Not a big deal that he's kind of abandoned it. Uh, he has gotten more confident in the changeup. Uh, it's probably average to above average. He can spot it against both lefties and righties, um, and then the good thing here is he has plus control. His delivery is very smooth and repeatable. So yeah, again, not gonna be an ace for you, but a good guy towards the back of the rotation can sit there and eat innings. You know, Lodolo's is probably a three or four. Um, he's gonna be you know, he's gonna be a very useful piece for Cincinnati for for quite a while, and. And just a minute, I want to get to some of the, some more of the prospect assignments to start the year. I did a couple of those last week, or I think it was Monday. And you guys reached out and said you wanted to hear more about some of the prospect assignments and where they went and which ones were aggressive and not aggressive. So we're going to get to that. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can get all the latest sports developments. League reviews and news, uh, the NBA playoffs, the play-in game, and the playoffs are right now. You can get info on that the start of the Major League Baseball season. You can't place any more bets on MVP and Cy Young and Rookie of the Year. That's already off the board, but you can see the futures. They do have a fun little uh, prop bet up there about first manager to get fired. I believe uh, the Yankees had the best odds there for firing a manager. Worst was not Atlanta, who just won the World Series, but Tampa Bay weird to me i'm assuming that's something where tampa bay is not going to pay dead money on a contract so they're going to wait till the contract runs out for him to leave but anyway bet online is your continued source for all kind of sports wagering information so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because bet online is where the game starts So, all right. If we're looking at minor uh, minor leaguers who got assigned out, where did they go, and kind of what a uh, what levels are they, how aggressive are some of these promotions? All right, let's start with the East Coast. So the Grapefruit League. Uh, we'll just kind of go through these here. The uh, the all right. So for the Grapefruit League, you're looking at um, alphabetically would be the Braves. So the Atlanta Braves. Um, the top guys, Michael Harris, the outfielder, went to Double A Mississippi. Um, Bryce Elder, we just talked about him, got called up. Spencer Strider started off at the big league level. So, Michael Harris, kind of seen now as the Braves' number one prospect. Now that they've traded Langoliers, now that Pache is out of the system, he's the number one outfielder, he's the number one prospect. And he's going to be in Double I've seen a lot of stuff talking about Atlanta would call him up later in the year if they had some issues in the outfield. And I don't necessarily think they're going to do that. Uh, Atlanta called up Christian Pache in 2020. Uh, he played. He actually started some games in the uh, in the play. I I want to say he started like game three of the NLCS in 2020, and he looked good. And so Atlanta's plan in 2021 was to have him break camp and just be the center fielder. And he wasn't ready. And part of me is worried that Atlanta's a little bit scarred from that because Christian Pache never really regained his true value, and they ended up shipping him out in the Matt Olson deal, and he's now the starting center fielder for the Oakland Athletics. And so I think they're going to be a little more um, conservative with Michael Harris. I expect him to go from A AA to AAA. If there is some sort of issue, we've seen the Braves are not afraid to go out and trade for three or four outfielders in one, at one trade deadline. They do have some guys in the system like a Travis DeMeritt, um, you know, former top prospect, things like that, who they would use. I suppose in like an emergency situation, you may see a Michael Harris, but I don't necessarily think that's something they want to do. They want to ensure he has the value. Um, so I would imagine it'd be sometime next year before you'd see him. But Bryce Elder, we already talked about, called up Spencer Strider, made the opening day roster, has looked pretty good. The question is whether he's going to stay or not once they go from 28 players to 26. Uh, Baltimore Orioles. So uh, you're looking at um, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, and Joey Ortiz The big thing in that list, obviously, is that Hadley Rutschman is not in there. He has that right triceps injury still. I imagine that eventually he will um, get sent to AAA to kind of tune up and then come to the big league level. This probably helps them because now there's no concern about service time manipulation because he was hurt. Kind of looking over some more there, guys. Uh, D.L. Hall. He had that left elbow stress reaction last year. So I imagine they're probably playing pretty conservative. They'll probably keep him in extended spring training and then eventually put him in double A. But double A Bowie. Yeah, it's going to have Gunnar Henderson. um, It's going to have Jordan Westberg. It's going to have Joey Ortiz. And together, those three guys are going to play second base, shortstop, and third base. I don't quite know the exact rotation, how they're going to do that. uh, But those three guys are going to be at double A Bowie all together, which is really interesting. Really kind of a unique way to look at that. Um, but Red Sox. A lot of these, these places were were expected. Tristan Cassis at A. We knew a lot of those were going to happen. But, um, Cutter Crawford. So, 16th round pick. Had Tommy John surgery. Um, made his return last year. Made the team as a long reliever out of the pen. I don't necessarily think any of us saw... Uh, Cutter Crawford making the Red Sox out of spring training, but his Velo was sitting somewhere in the mid nineties on his fastball. Uh, spring training, he had ten strikeouts to one walk, and so I think best case scenario reminds me of Garrett Whitlock. Picking Garrett Whit- Whitlock up, um, you know him being on there the whole the whole season, pitching well for the most part. Uh, at worst, I imagine he's a guy who's going to get a spot start here and there. And then if they have to, they'll move him back, you know, they'll, they'll move him down. But um, Detroit Tigers. Okay, so Jackson Jobe, the right-hand pitcher, is at low A. Now, he's 19. He's not pitched in a real game since last May. So, it this makes sense. And I actually am okay with this because I think the alternative was keep him in extended spring training and not even send him to an affiliate yet. So treating him like a normal player is good. And again, I'm all for aggressive promotions of pitchers. So I want to see them um, you know, move him up to high A. If he looks amazing in the first three starts, put him up in high A with the college players. So he can acclimate to a higher level of competition than what he's facing with a lot of these former high school guys in low A. Um, I do think he's, I mean, number three overall pick. I think he's a guy who has a lot of talent. I think he's a guy who is going to be a great player. Give him a chance to start working past that learning curve. Um, Houston Astros, Jeremy Pena made the major league roster. Not a huge surprise. Uh, do obviously, I mean, have to mention it. It is significant. We did a whole episode, uh, maybe two weeks ago, with our friends from Locked On Astros, all about Jeremy Pena. Deep dive into the one player. Go back and check that out for more on him. Um, but that's the notable one for the Astros. Yuri Perez, the righty for the Marlins, six foot eight, and reminds me physically the build of a Tristan McKenzie. Just very like, very long and skinny. Uh, but he 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 started Opening Day at Double A Pensacola. 18 years old, I believe he was the youngest player in team history and one of the youngest players in the Southern League when he started on on minor league opening day. So uh, last year he was an A-ball, had a 1.96 ERA across low and high A, struck out 108 guys in 78 innings, 26 walks, uh, but still like only allowed a 158 average against, and most of the players he was playing were like 19, 20, 21 while he was you know 17. Um, so I like the assignment at double A again, going to be one of the youngest players at that level, but a guy who, who has a ton of value and I want to see him at, you know, in the upper minors there so that you can get a true idea of exactly how comfortable he is against professional pitching versus sticking him in high A and not really learning anything for the first half of the season while he's there. Um, the twins, so Royce Lewis, a shortstop, went to Triple A. Uh, number one overall pick of the 2017 draft. Uh, he was MVP in the Arizona Fall League in 2019. Has not played since then. Had a torn ACL. You lost 2020, obviously. So uh, he played Double A in 2019. Tore his ACL. Missed all of. Uh, there was no no minor league ball in 2020. Missed all of 2021 with the torn ACL. Now they have him at Triple A. So he's kind of back on the same path he would have been on if not for the injury. So I love that. I think he's a guy where if you see issues defensively for the Twins, you see issues offensively for the Twins, he may be a later second half of the season call-up. Somebody to watch. Um, some of the New York teams. Okay, so the Mets. Francisco Alvarez, the catcher, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, and Brett Beatty, the infielders, all went to double A. So finally in the upper minors, the lower side of the upper minors, but... Um, Mauricio had eight games there last year. Beatty had 40. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Beatty's up by mid-summer. I can see Mauricio taking a little bit longer. Alvarez is going to be one of the younger guys in double-A. And that's something where, I mean, there's an opening. James McCann isn't so good where you're not going to try to get Alvarez uh, into games at the major league level. So I imagine... You know, aggressive promotion for him. But if he looks decent and good, they're going to move him up quickly and get him uh, to Triple A. Um, Jason Dominguez for the Yankees, Low A. So he spent 50 games there last year. We talked a lot um, about him having to kind of adjust his body. He's got obvious tools, but he needs playing time. He needs game experience, and he needs to um, work on his. Body composition a bit. I'll put it that way. Uh, so, missed 2020, some of his development was impacted. They've sent him back to low A. I imagine he's not, if he, if everything's going correctly, he's not going to spend more than a couple weeks there before he moves to high A. But he does have that relationship with Rachel Balkebeck, which is helpful. Uh, the manager of the um, low A Tampa Tarpons. So, um, The Phillies right-hand pitcher Mick Abel, they sent him to high A. Uh, His first professional season last year, he only got 44 and two-thirds innings. But they're still going to go ahead and move him to high A. He didn't have a start last year where he threw more than 70 pitches. Or maybe he had that like once or twice. Um, So this is just more about we need you to be on that schedule of pitching every five days and go through a full season. He's obviously not going to stay at high A. But I think... Um, he'll probably spend most of the year, Mick Abel will spend most of the year at high A, just to kind of learn a little better about um, about understanding that workload and getting his body acclimated to that workload. Um, the Rays, Josh Lau uh, made the major league roster. We thought he was going to be in, in AAA. Um they dealt Austin Meadows to the Tigers to make a spot for him. Reminds me of last year where they traded Willie Adamas to the Brewers to get Wander Franco a spot. Same thing here. Um, you know, he was a 2016 high school guy. Uh, first rounder. And so, if for some reason he doesn't work out, obviously you've got Videl Brujan, who is there in Durham. Uh, he can call right up and he can slide into the outfield. But last I saw, uh, Lau was playing, I think, either left or right field. for for Tampa, and has looked pretty decent to start the season. Um, Toronto, Aurelvis Martinez, double A. So, a big jump here for him. I think I mentioned him in the the Monday about aggressive promotions. But, started last season in low A, finished up in high A, double A now. Uh, I don't think he's going to get called up. But I mean, he's 20 years old. The average age in the in the Double A Eastern League is almost 24, uh, so they obviously believe that he's more advanced in his years and he's ready to go. And in just a minute, I want to talk about some of those guys in the Cactus League who got their new spots. Okay, so Cactus League guys who got who who had interesting assignments. Uh, Diamondbacks: Corbin Carroll, the outfielder went to double-A Amarillo. Now, first round of 2019, okay, nobody's necessarily flinching at the fact that he went to double-A, but it's something where he played 42 games um, in rookie ball in 2019, missed 2020, and then seven games into 2021, he had a shoulder injury and missed just about the entire rest of the season. So less than 50 professional games over three years. And so, like, despite that, they're putting him at Double A because they have belief in his ability and his skills. Uh, They saw him at the alternate site. They saw him uh, doing rehab work, studying, doing all of that last year. They feel comfortable enough in his development to put him at High A. Any, I'm sorry, at Double A anyway, even though he hasn't played a real season since 2019, just because of all the time that he lost. Uh, The Cubs, Brennan Davis went to triple a and the Cubs have a ton of like lower level uh talent right whether it's traded guys they traded for pete crow armstrong whether it's drafted players international signings but brendan david's got a 15 game cameo last year at AAA. they put him back there at triple a he's 22 um you know and he's he's he looks like the center fielder of the future and I think it's something where it's now on him. The Cubs are obviously in a retooling phase right now. So it's it, it's up to him to make the case to make the big league roster. But he's they've put him in the right position. He's one level below where if he plays well enough, they can call him up. So I find this really interesting as far as their choice to put him there and kind of how much of that was an intentional message to him saying, hey, we want you to take this next and final step. To be a professional big league player, like to be a professional baseball player, uh, and bring you up to the big leagues, Uh, the Chicago White Sox. So Oscar Colas was, if you got reports from spring training, he was one of the more impressive guys out there in Arizona. Uh, He is at high A. Pretty much, like it's a pretty conservative assignment for a guy who's seen as one of the better prospects in a system that doesn't necessarily have a ton of, uh, of of high level talent. And it's something where my thought process here has to be, okay, he's in Winston-Salem because he's better than most guys in high A. And so now he has an opportunity to go out there and rake, hit home runs, uh, steal bases, do all the stuff that he's going to do and get called up to Birmingham. We're building his confidence a bit and we're going to call him to Birmingham. And if I don't see him in Birmingham in the next month to six weeks, I'm going to be worried because he is overqualified for high A. So keeping him there, uh, it indicates there's some sort of development issue. Um, the Reds, Eli De La Cruz. We, we've, we've talked about the pitchers making the big league team in Green and Lodolo. But Eli De La Cruz uh, got an assignment to, to high A Dayton. So he had 50 games in low A last year after the complex league. Um, struck out 65 times in 210 plate appearances. But like, still showed you know that he is uh you know like flash the tools flash the hit tool flash the power and so he he's 20 and he's in high a uh, and this is something where they guys again the age level in high a you're looking at you know a 23 year old 24 year old so challenging him and seeing how he can handle short as well as handle the pitching there before they move him to double a um the Rockies Ezekiel Tovar made it to Double A Hartford to the Hartford Yard Goats, so it's something where I was kind of curious about this because Zach Veen and, and, uh, and Drew Romo last year they got stuck in Low A despite like how good they were doing. Uh, Tovar they didn't necessarily have that same that same um, slowdown on the development path. Uh, he spent about a month in High A. Uh, they're starting him at AA this year. He was the MVP in the spring um, at spring training. And it's something where like he's the youngest guy in AA Hartford by like three or four years. I mean, if you think about it, Trevor Story's gone. Uh, Jose Iglesias was like a veteran stopgap thing. There's a spot for him to play at the big league level. He just has to get there. So they have him on a a uh, little bit more of aggressive promotion path so that he can take his time and get uh, so he not take his time but so that he can get it figured out and get there as soon as he's ready uh kansas city so bobby witt we know bobby witt got called up this is a bobby witt podcast uh we know bobby witt got got called up but mj melendez nick prado are in omaha now these are guys who they were in big league spring training Uh, they played great in omaha last year i mean ops is above a thousand and so, part of this, I think, is this. This is just where do you play them in Kansas City? So, like MJ Melendez, you're behind, like, I think the only catcher who's ever been in the home run derby in Salvador Perez. Uh, MJ Melendez, you've got Carlos Santana at first. Last year of his deal, I think they're kind of. Others, oh, two guys, I feel like Prado has a better chance to come up earlier simply because Santana looks to be completely cooked. And I think that's something where. Prado can call it up first. Melendez can be up either if there's an injury or if they want to use Salvi more as a DH. Let Perez come up and and, and start. And then Vinny Pascantino is also at AAA. So he was a first baseman. They drafted him out of Old Dominion. And I think like the question here is how are they going to make everything work? You've got the DH, you've got first base, they both play first. Um I heard some reports maybe Prado was playing a bit of outfield which is something where there's obviously an opening at the big league level to do that. Uh, there are ways to improve off of a Hunter Dozier in the outfield, for instance. Um, and then some other guys in the system. Uh, Eric Pena, he was international signee. They started him at low A. So um, very, very aggressive promotion there for international signee to be in low A kind of right away. Jensen with a third round pick last year. They've got him at low A as well. And then... The, the Dodgers, third baseman Miguel Vargas, so had a good um, has, has had a good career in the minor leagues so far. It's like an 864 career OPS, uh, did well in spring training. He's only got 83 games above A ball. So this is really a testament to how much the Dodgers believe in him, one, and then two, with Justin Turner's age, need him to be ready sometime soon. So I think if you see Turner, drop off. If you see Muncie not necessarily look the same, uh, both those things happen. You see some injuries, things like that. Um, you have Gavin Lux playing in the outfield now that A.J. Pollock is gone. But you, there's, there is a world where you can see Miguel Vargas getting called up uh, and taking some at-bats and taking some innings at third base at the big league level. Because again, Justin Turner is like 36. Muncie's recovering recovering from the, from the elbow injury. Uh, some other guys here. The Brewers... Um, I can never say his name right. Lucas Urkeg. Anyway. Spent most of last year at AA. They put him back there. So he was a third baseman, now a pitcher. Um, and I think from reports that I've seen earlier this year, I think they have him as a reliever, which kind of explains this to me, because he was starting last year. Um, he looked really good at spring training. I mean, he's hit 98. He's blowing dudes away. And so if you have... You, obviously they moved him from, from third base to pitcher. If they're moving him from starting to relieving, it feels like they understand he can contribute sooner rather than later. So interesting assignment simply because it feels like they're giving him space to learn and then there'll be an opening for him to come up and pitch um, if he is in fact going to stick as a reliever. So that's what I'm watching for. Um. All right. Oakland Athletics. A lot of stuff going on here. Um, they put Pache at the big league level. Kind of knew that was going to happen. You kind of had to see what he was going to do there. Uh, Tyler Soderstrom, High A, the Lansing Lugnuts. Uh, that's something where I get it. Um, he dominated low A last year. That makes perfect sense. He's 19, so kind of young. Um, second rounder, Zach Gelluff is not going to be with him, though. They put him at double A. So last year he, um, if you remember six, uh, second round pick 60th overall, batted 333 last year with a 422 on base and like 138 at bats. Um, including a week he spent at AAA at the end of the year. So they're gonna go ahead and put him in A. He'll be in, he'll be uh, there in Texas. A little bit surprising, but obviously they feel that he can handle it. Obviously with trading Chapman away, there is an opening to bet, the big league level to play third. So that's not saying he's going to do that this year, but that's something where they give him a taste of double A. They can get him another taste of triple A towards the end of the year. And you're looking at competing for a job at a spring training next year, if it all breaks right. Uh, the Padres, CJ Abrams made the MLB roster, playing some shortstop, playing some outfield. Mackenzie Gore, I think is getting called, getting called up. Uh, reports are he was not in AAA triple A El Paso. Uh, reports were that there was an open locker in the training room or in the big league clubhouse and that he was the only member of the taxi squad. So I think they're waiting on Blake Snell to go on the IL, and they're going to call up McKenzie Gore. I'm expecting Friday is probably when he would end up starting. Uh, So that's going to be interesting to watch because obviously we've talked all about McKenzie Gore. You can go back and you can find that. Um, You can find that in our feed. We spent a Wednesday talking all about McKenzie Gore uh, with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres. And then last two here, The Rangers. Uh, Jack Leiter, double-A. Makes sense. We get it. He's practically pro-ready. Josh Smith at triple-A. So, part of the Joey Gallo deal last year from the Yankees. Um, He went from low-A to double-A. Spent 30 games in double-A last year. Now, um, of all guys who had more than like one at-bat in the Cactus League, so in the West Coast Spring Training, Nobody on the team had a higher batting average or on base percentage, and he had like the second highest OPS on the team. So there was some conversation after Josh Young tours towards Labrum that uh, Josh Smith might make the team out of camp. Obviously, did not, but they put him at Triple A. I feel like he's probably your guy who can uh, come up if you need some if you need somebody to cover some innings in the infield because of injury. Uh, and then, like I talked about with Bryce on Wednesday, you're going to see him play some outfield, play, see him play some center field, Then there's a path for him to make the big league roster next year as a center fielder. Uh, the last one, the Mariners. We've got a whole show tomorrow all about the Mariners. Again, it's, you know, for Farm Friday, digging through that system. Uh, but Henry Ford, the catcher, is at low A Modesto, and Noel V. Marte is at high A Everett. Really interesting decisions on some of those guys and on the whole rest of the system. And that'll be tomorrow's show. Uh, So check it out then. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Locked On Podcast, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.